But there was still this growing conviction in me that we were, that most of what we were doing were things that we could manufacture. Like we had a, we had a, you know, solid budget. Our giving was the highest it had been in the history of the church. We had plenty of people and resources to kind of do things. We were in a very small town. So, you know, we were the biggest Protestant church in the, in, in the county. And so we, we really could do whatever we wanted to do. And I, but I just had this, this growing like kind of angst in my soul that I just longed to see God do stuff that was beyond what we could just plan or scheme ourselves. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I am so excited to bring you today's conversation with Matt Reynolds. Matt is the leader and visionary for Spirit and Truth. And in our conversation today, we talk about what it means to leave uh, one calling for the next, taking big steps of faith, and how his heart for the church is to see it be so much more than entertainment. Uh, Such an incredible conversation. I, I dare you to listen to this conversation and not fall in love with Matt's heart and vision for the gospel. It is a disciple-making vision. It's what I want the church to be so bad for everybody out there who's struggling to reclaim good practices of faith and life. So I don't know where you are in your faith journey, and I don't know when or how you're listening to this, but it is my hope that you get so much out of this conversation with Matt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm excited to be here today with a dear friend of mine, Matt Reynolds. Matt, how the heck are you, man? Hey, I'm great. It's great to be with you, Tony. You know, um, Matt has an incredible story that starts with you being a pastor in a fairly large denomination, doing some amazing growing things, and then leaving all of that security to start a nonprofit called Spirit and Truth. So Matt, my first question is, what makes someone leave something so secure and so growing? So, I mean, you kind of almost had rock star status in the denomination. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I, I did, so it's fine. Um, what made you leave it all to start something new? Well, some people would just say I'm an idiot, you know, but... <laughs> but be, would your wife say that? Uh, depends what day you ask her. Probably <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, the the simple and kind of cliche answer is because I felt like really clearly like that's what the Lord was telling me to do. Mm. Um, of course, like any major decision in life, like it's um, you know it takes a lot of discernment on what is God telling me to do. But once I became clear that that was the case. Um, in a lot of sense, I really feel like I didn't have much of a choice. I mean, probably more so than almost anything in my life, I felt like God made it really clear. And uh, and so if you feel like the God of the universe is giving you some clear direction, it sort of gives you this feeling like, well, I could say no, but that's probably not going to go real well. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's probably outside of what God wants. But So here's a question that I love to ask people yeah. is... Um, how did you know it was God and it wasn't like a burrito, <laughs> right? Because because yeah. I think I do people, like burritos. I, well, and I do too, right? Yeah. But uh, I think people often struggle with knowing, is this a God calling or is this a Tony calling or Matt calling? Yeah. How do you know with certain? I mean, because I, I mean, I've seen what you've done since then. I've seen yeah. that the steps of faith that you've taken. How did you know that this was God's will for you? Well... There's a number of factors, I think. Uh, one, I start with the premise that God can speak to people. Hmm. Like, I really believe that. That that's not just like something that happens on the pages of the Bible, that God can still speak to human beings. And uh, now how you discern that voice is really important. But when you start with that premise, um, it gets a little less crazy to, to, to discern. And then... Another kind of baseline assumption for me is that, and this is part of my own conviction of preaching this over the years, like God still asked his followers uh, to do crazy stuff. And I just I just have this fundamental belief that like following Jesus sometimes means taking radical steps. And I couldn't... Um, I couldn't stand in front of a congregation every week and tell, you know, uh, 500 folks, hey, you got to take steps of faith when God tells you to do something. 
you need to do it. You know, sometimes he calls us to radical things. I couldn't preach that every week and then not actually live it myself. So, I, so I've got those two assumptions in the background that God calls us, that he can speak to us, and he still calls us to do some stuff that doesn't maybe make sense to the world. Um, but from there, you know, the way this instance worked, and really most of the times in my life where I've had to discern something, whether it's big or small, it's usually a combination of things. I would say there's a huge role of community. Hmm. So how I'm seeking wisdom from people that I... Sure, who you're surrounding yourself yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, does this, based on what I know of the Word of God, does this line up with something that God would ask someone to do? Like, is this, obviously, if it doesn't, if it's something in violation that you know doesn't jive with the scripture, you're going to be like, well, that must have been the burrito, you know? (laughs) That's probably not it. But if, is this the kind of thing that God would ask someone to do? And I felt like it it was. And then, um, and then I, my wife and I prayed a lot. I mean, we just prayed for really clear wisdom from God. Yeah, let, let's talk about that for just a second. Because yeah. uh, how many kids do you have? Three boys. Three. God bless you. <laughs> how old are they? They are 10, 7, and 3. And so this was just about a year ago that... Two, maybe... Two years ago yeah, that you made Yeah, a couple years decision. ago, yeah. And so at the time, you were in what role at the, the local church? You were the lead pastor. I was the lead pastor of a church, yeah. Of a growing, like, yeah, we booming had... church. Well, booming may be overkill, but we were we were definitely growing. We had just uh, adopted a smaller church and become a multi-site congregation uh, about a year before that. And by the grace of God, things were going really well. We were, yeah, we we were we were doing some cool things, and um, and I loved it. Honestly, it was like my dream job. Like that's what I always wanted to well, do. You know, that's like most pastors' dreams job, like where you're leading a movement and it's yeah. exploding, or you know. It's moving. Yeah. Um, tell me the moment that you told your wife that God had called you to something different. <laughs> I just think that's got to be a great story for yeah. one. And for two, it's probably going to show just how, how Holy Spirit filled your wife is. Well, uh, she's she, she would admit that this is true. So let me tell you what happened. Because the first when I first mentioned it, okay, so just a, a really brief background. Like God had really convicted me like in the in the months leading up to this decision that we were um as a church we really we were doing some incredible things and i was just really blessed by what we were doing and we were reaching people and all that stuff but there was still this growing conviction in me that we were that most of what we were doing were things that we could manufacture like we had a we had a you know solid budget our giving was the highest it had been in the history of the church we had plenty of people and resources to kind of do things. We were in a very small town. So, you know, we were the biggest Protestant church in the, in, in the county. And so we, we really could do whatever we wanted to do. And I, But I just had this, this growing, like, kind of angst in my soul that I just longed to see God do stuff that was beyond what we could just plan or scheme ourselves, you mm-hmm. know. And... Um, so, like, there was, there was a lack of dependency on God. Yeah, almost. in some ways it's like... And I think this is a, one of the temptations in the church is you just get so busy, like, planning the next thing, and you're always looking to the next initiative, the next program, the next whatever, uh, the next staff hire to be, like, I don't know, to be the thing that's going to help you keep moving forward. And uh, I just, I don't know, I've just, there's part of me that was growing a little bit weary of that sort of model which i think in many ways like and i'm probably going to make some people mad but like i think it's failed the american church when when we've made it more about scheming and marketing than we have like you know life on life discipleship and sharing the gospel with people and praying for god to do supernatural things like um we kind of i love you know good business practice i love like being savvy and marketing and all sure, that stuff yeah. i'm not against any of that but there's just a part of me that longs to see some of the stuff that you read about in the history books and you read on the pages of the bible where it doesn't always make sense and it's you know well the way god moves is not always just you know us pulling up our bootstraps and trying harder you know sometimes it's turning to him in just total dependence yeah. so Anyways, I got I kind of got sidetracked, but no, that's good. It's good. That's good stuff. In the midst of all that, 
I had really, I had went to a conference. Got God just kind of messed me up through this conference. And Wait, which conference was it? It was the New Room Conference. Okay, down in Tennessee, and it just kind of just had one of those encounters with God that just um, you kind of you know you you ever had one of those where it's like pre and post life after that a specific moment with God. Sure. Oh yeah. And that's kind of was that was a turning you, point. I mean, like when I. People use that word. I had an encounter with God, like yeah. pretty frequently. Yeah. Like, what did that? I mean, did he put you on your butt? Did he? I mean, like, what happened? Like, <laughs> well, physically, what happened? Like, I just we had a one. There was a night there uh, where we just had a really. There was just an intense time of prayer and worship, and it was really. It wasn't a speaker or anything. It was just a time of just guided prayer where they invited us just to cry out to God in desperation, hmm. that we just to see a move of God in our own life and in the church. And something in that, just like, um, I don't know, I just God just showed up in my life in a new way. And then the next day, this was really the turning point. There was a woman there who was speaking, who was an Egyptian woman, an Egyptian Christian woman, and she did trauma counseling. And she um, she just had seen some crazy stuff. I mean, she was she was counseling families that had primarily families that had been torn apart by ISIS. Uh, children abducted, you know, kids raped. Oh, I mean, just stuff you can't, like, I just can't fathom it. I just can't fathom it. And she was talking about this stuff and the kind of persecution that, that Christians in that part of the world were experiencing. And she just, she was weeping, and she just, um, she just put out this plea. There's, I don't know how many hundreds of pastors that were there, mostly pastors, and she, and she just put out this plea that the American church would actually care. Mm. And then we would start to live like the gospel is actually true. Come on. And it's not just kind of a religious product that we put together on Sunday mornings. And uh, honestly, that's the moment, like, something snapped inside of me. Like, I just, <laughs> like, I jumped the tracks, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I just had this mo- clarifying moment where I just told the Lord, I will not just play a game anymore. Wow. And it's not like all the stuff before that was bad. Sure, like sure. God was working in it. But sure. there was something that changed in me where I said, This is this is not just a nice, cute religious game. Like I have to live um as though I actually believe the stuff that I say I believe. And uh so I went back a changed person and I didn't know what to do other than to call our church to pray. And so we started a prayer meeting at six o'clock on a Thursday morning and I didn't think anyone would show up and um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be me and a couple of my staff members who I kind of guilted guilted to come yeah. and uh voluntold yeah and the first week uh 25 people showed up to pray at six in the morning wow how long did you guys pray for um about an hour uh, and then people would start going to work and um and then there was some it was just interesting. It was like we didn't have an agenda. We just got together and sat in the front of the sanctuary and prayed. And uh, we just did that week after week. And in the midst how, of how many weeks did you do that for? I don't know, for months. Wow. And uh, God just showed up. And in the midst of that, um, God started doing some crazy stuff in our church and in, in our county. And uh, we, we we got connected with this ministry that was helping train people and uh, sharing their faith and um, helping churches work together and all this stuff. And it just all this stuff just started happening. And that's a long story. There's so much stuff in there. But it really started with that kind of awakening moment for me and then just calling the church to pray. That's kind of was really the the beginning of this crazy train that I've been on. Now, did your wife know at this point in time that you're she's she's now along for a ride that she no longer has control over? <laughs> I don't because I, I, I think that's actually what started the question, right? Yeah, I know. Did, I got way off. No, it's on good. That. People this is why people listen. They want to hear the story behind the story, right? Yeah. So thank you. And yeah. and you're good. Like uh so what did that what did your wife did you come home from New Room and say, okay. Hey babe, we're gonna start no, and I didn't have any, I didn't even have that concept yet, but what God was, in retrospect, God was uh, laying the groundwork in my life for what would become spirit and truth. I just didn't know it yet. Do you think that happens to most people? Yeah. You think God, so somebody's listening right now and God is, is yeah. doing something in their lives. How can they know that it's, like, how can they know that it's groundwork? Yeah. 
Well, I think in some sense, like maybe this is a cop out, everything in your life, like, is groundwork for what God's preparing you for. I mean, in some way. And so, I mean, if we believe what the scripture says, then, then like God is at work in your life right now, even if it doesn't look like it. So like the one thing that you're doing that you hate to do could be (laughs) groundwork. That's right. God is refining you through that one way or another to, to make you more into the likeness of his son, Jesus, the, what he's called you to become as a follower of Jesus and to prepare you to do the good work that he's called you to do. I'm convinced of that. Like God works for the good of, in, in everything for the good of those who love him. So, uh, yeah, so he's, I mean, he's laying groundwork and that's what he was doing in my life. I just didn't have, I had zero concept at that point. Zero. I mean, I was doing what I always wanted to do since I was, I, I started first feeling called to be a pastor in sixth grade. Ooh. So from sixth grade until that moment, I, I always thought I would be doing exactly, or like I dreamed about doing exactly what I was doing. Okay, so there's no, not in my wildest dreams would I ever think I'm going to leave this and go start a nonprofit, okay? So uh, so through a series of months, so that happened, I don't know, late summer, early fall. We started praying. It was by the end of the year when God made this really clear that I was being called to, to step away and, and really serve as a missionary to the U.S. That's how I thought of it, like as a missionary to our own country who's in desperate need of... Um, of awakening of more people coming to know Jesus because uh, when you look at all the statistics um, they're still deeply committed Christians but the sort of cultural Christianity has kind of faded away Hmm. and people and churches are declining in rapid rate because it's not just it's just not the norm it's not the socially acceptable thing that everyone just goes to church anymore you have to be deeply committed to really go and so anyways so feeling like that, I to your original question because this is kind of a funny story. I I bring this up to my wife. This is at in December of that that year. That's good because you know December is never time where we yeah. have extra bills. Or... <laughs> right. So this is like the very end of the year, right after Christmas. Uh, I t- I just a number of things had happened. Other people speaking into my life. Uh, some weird crazy circumstances of things like holy spirit kind of stuff. like holy spirit stuff like like stuff showing up at my door that was like unexplainable like just there's some crazy stuff anyways i was like holy crap i think i'm supposed am i allowed to say that on here yeah holy crap fine. so i'm like uh i think i have to to do this and uh i kind of fought it for i mean just this is a really quick time but I thought, okay, you know what? The final straw is going to be uh, I'll talk to my wife because I know, you know, at, at this point, we've been married 14 years now, so this is a couple years ago. We've been married 12, 13 years, whatever. And she's like my partner in all of this stuff. You know, God has blessed this marriage. Like, you know, she'll she'll be the one that she can talk me out of this, right. basically. Yeah, but okay. You, you know, we both know that you're not going to move on anything unless your wife. Yeah, gets that's right. And my it, wife is the final straw in every major decision. If yeah. she's not on board, then I'm not on board. That's right. And I and honestly, part of me felt like this. I I didn't think she would be on board, and it. I kind of felt like, oh, that'll be my out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, God, I would do what I think you're telling me to do, but I can't split up my marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're the one who, like, set this up. So uh, anyway, so I go to her. When I first approached her there at the end of December, she was like, absolutely not. That's that's the worst idea you've ever said. Like, we have little isn't kids. It, isn't it so nice when we get those words <laughs> yeah. of affirmation yeah, from yeah. our spouse? Yeah, she was like this. I mean, it was a really hard conversation, honestly. Oh, I'm sure. And, I, and there was tears and like, it was bad. And <laughs> I was like, well, that went about as well as I thought it was going to go. So uh, we laugh about it now. But anyways, I didn't say anything else after that. Like we had this really intense conversation. She was like, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, like, look at what God has been doing. Like, that's you're you're talking crazy. So yeah, you, I didn't. You got a Christmas hangover, basically. Yeah. So yeah. I basically, from that moment, I just said, "Okay, Lord, 
I feel really clearly like you've told me this over and over. I had started to keep a journal of all the ways that I felt like God was confirming it. Mm. And I was into, I was at like 39. Now, were you, are you a journal, journaler anyway? Uh, sporadically. Okay. So like, but not it, like it, constant, that, but like, you know. That's a good pro tip though. If you're, if you're wrestling with the decision, yeah. look to see how God, and write it down. Cause once that's it's right. written down, you can't ignore it. That's right. And uh, that's, so when I'm, I do journal a lot when I'm dealing with big decisions okay. because it's like, it helps me work out my own thought, like what I'm thinking about it. And sometimes it reveals things even that I'm not maybe, or connects dots that I'm not paying attention to until I start to write it out. Anyways, um, so I'm like, Lord, if you, if, if this is from you, basically, this is almost verbatim when I prayed. If this is from you, you're going to have to tell Heidi. Because, uh, <laughs> now, now, so <laughs> I love that, first of all. Now, do you feel like, uh, I mean, are you testing God at this point? Are you, are you testing the call? How, I mean, how would you describe yeah. what? I, I mean, because, so a lot of Christians get really nervous about yeah. giving ultimatums to God. Yeah. But, I mean, rightfully so. I don't think, I mean, at that point, honestly, I think it, it came from a genuine heart. It wasn't like I was like, it wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was testing God. I was more desperate. Like, I feel so conflicted right now because right. I can't, I can't feel like I'm choosing between what God is saying and what my wife is saying. Like, I can't, that's, these are the two most important voices in my entire life, you know? And I can't, um, I can't feel like I'm in between those two things. And so, Lord, if this is, I mean, it was genuine, but I think God can handle our blunt prayers well, and, i think so too right? and i, I was just too. like lord if if and if i'm making a, a mistake or not hearing you right then maybe this is a way you're going to conf- help correct me but if i am hearing from you right then you're going to have to do work in heidi's heart because i like she's not on board with this like she doesn't hear the same thing so this is the thing though i mean this is what this is what sealed the deal i'm not exaggerating we had this terrible conversation and kind of intense. Honestly, it was like one of the harder moments where I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if am I missing this? Is what do, what do I do with this? Two days later, I didn't say another word. I just prayed for two days. Lord, if this is from you, you've got to tell Heidi, please. Like, and if it's not, then I'll know. And uh, two days later, I was sitting in the kitchen. This is a, literally exactly what happened. She walks out into the kitchen. She says, um, I have a lot of questions. I really don't understand it, but I know this is what we're supposed to do. Stop it. That's it. And I was like, now part of me, honestly, if I'm being real honest, part of me was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like, there went my out, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Now I really have to do this, you know? And so after that, it was a whirlwind after that. But that, that was, I mean... God just answered prayer in a very direct way, and um, and it was interesting because she prayed about it. Because she's really committed to prayer, more probably more so than I am, and she had really been serious about praying about it. And when she was praying, God reminded her of something of her past when he had uh, when she had sensed that God was calling her to be a missionary. Mm. And said, like, I told you this was, like, basically God told her, I told you this was coming a long time ago. And man, and won't it, he do it. And so when she, I love it. when he, when, when he revealed that, brought that, she hadn't thought about it for years. When that flooded her mind in prayer, it was like something clicked in, for, in her own spirit, like, oh, I really do think this is what God's asking us to do. And so, Oof. yeah, that's, that's what started the crazy train. I mean, after that, it was like, uh, I, I knew I had to do it. That was like the last straw. And, uh, so probably it was about a week later I met with my, uh, district superintendent. He's kind of like the point person over a whole area of pastors. Yeah. Like a regional manager. Yeah. And, uh, uh, he, I think he thought I was crazy. <laughs> sure. Sure he did. So, right. and then, you know, and I realized it kind of created some headaches for him because, you know, it was, it was one of the the bigger churches in his district that he had to deal with replacing the pastor. And and so, you know, it's a tricky thing to navigate, but I didn't actually leave the church for about another six months. It was a transition plan, you know, but um, yeah. And then uh, I served with this other ministry for about a year 
and it was really a time of preparation for me, and God did some really cool stuff through that. Um, and then, and in the midst of that, I just kept discerning, God, what is what does this look like? And and that's where the stuff with Spirit and Truth really came into focus. And so, um, so we launched this ministry, and now, you know, we're working with churches in five different states. Pretty soon, we'll be in, uh, have a footprint in seven different states, and. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy. We've only really existed technically for a little over a year as a ministry, but God just has opened some incredible doors, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. We're getting to to see God do some transformational things in people's lives. So, what is Spirit and Truth? I mean, give us the 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 kind of the overview of what what you I guess what God started yeah. in you, yeah, for the local church. Because you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, the local church is often, it, it's a, it's a funny little entity, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot like a, a regular nonprofit. It's a little bit, hopefully a lot dependent on God. Yeah. And it's also, uh, led by a pastor who's typically very well trained in some things, but I, I mean, I think maybe not in the practice of what it yeah. means to actually be the church. Yeah, right. So I, I feel like what Spirit and Truth does is to try to uh, give a secondary education. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to say it. I mean, we are we're an equipping ministry, a training um, an equipping ministry, and really our our heartbeat is 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 not complicated at all. It's very much a back to the basics kind of ministry, where we're um, we focus primarily in three ways like three areas, uh, evangelism. So helping to, sh- how do we, in today's world, how do we help Christians learn to share their faith and reach people right where they're at without expecting them to just come to church? Because less and less people are just showing up at churches. So how do we see ourselves, how do we train Christians to see themselves as missionaries hmm. right where God has planted them? Second thing is discipleship. How do we help churches practically um see people grow as deep disciples. And so it's not just as something that's sort of left to, to chance. And it's not, um, and it's not just, we're not just pulling together a bunch of consumers or people that show up on Sundays, but how we get really intentional about discipleship. And then the third thing is, how do we help people expect that God can still show up in their life in supernatural ways? And, and by that, I mean, just like actually believing that God can speak to you and that you know, God can still do crazy stuff like that. He still wants to move in your life and he still wants to use you to bring healing to other people and, you know, just transformational stuff. So it's very much a back to the basics ministry. We, we, we've kind of said our, our framework is we want to help be a catalyst, um, for churches and individuals to, to have this kind of faith awakened by the spirit, rooted in the truth, mobilized for the mission and um and so we work with uh, local churches to help them uh implement those some initiatives like in training towards those ends and what what we find is there's a lot of churches there's a lot of conversation right now in in the national scene uh, across the country of people who are yearning for God to bring a new awakening, to to bring some people use the word revival. I know it's got some baggage for for folks, but to really see the church kind of have a new birth again. Yeah. And um, so there's this vision that's being lifted up all over, and and uh, we function a lot in sort of Wesleyan and Methodist circles. Um, not we're not locked into that, but that's where a lot of our connection has been. And uh, there's this. You know, the New Room Conference I mentioned before, and lots of other pockets like that are lifting up this vision of seeing a back-to-the-basics, like what if what if we stop trying to manufacture and scheme our way out of everything and we just go to God in desperation that we need a move of God, you know? And so you hear all these sayings, you hear this language, but not a lot of people are coming alongside the pastors and the local churches to saying, okay, how are we going to—how do we get started? How do we like get serious about prayer? How do we 
train people to to start living radical missionary kind of lives again and stuff like that. Well, let, let me ask you this because I, I think that there are a lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast who go to church. Yeah. And, you know, my, my, I think most of my listeners, like they know who Jesus is. Yeah. They probably love Jesus like they love the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and who um, doesn't love the Buckeyes? And who doesn't love the Buckeyes? <laughs> um, clearly, you know, like we're going to church two times, three times a month, yeah. you know, depending yeah. on junior soccer schedule or baseball or football or whatever. Yeah. Uh, why, as a follower of a, a, a connection to Jesus, why do I need to get back to the basics? Yeah. Like there, there's a church member out there who's listening. Yeah. Why do they need to be awakened, rooted, and mobilized? Well, I would just, I would say to that person, and I think most of the people that, uh, that uh, kind of people you just described, they know this is true. They just don't know where to go. But there's more. There is, there is more that God has for you in your life than um, just sort of church as a nice add-on. Uh, the Christian life is 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 about more than that, and r- I think real abundant life comes in like radical discipleship to Jesus, like following Jesus in ways more than just showing up at church once in a while, and even more than just doing an occasional service project or sort of being a good person. And a lot of American Christianity, that's kind of been the message, like. Hey, what does a Christian look like? Well, you go to church like at least once or twice a month. You try to generally be a decent person and maybe you do a service project at church once in a while. Yeah, so you're saying that there's more than just being nice. That's right, yeah. And I think I think that has I think that was kind of a misrepresentation of what Christianity is really about. When you look across history, Christianity has always meant to be something more than that but i think we kind of we tamed it down in the u.s at least you know and and honestly you see that that's kind of what happened in europe too Hmm. it got tamed down and now most of the churches are museums or bars or something else you know uh because people i think honestly this is where this is what i i really sense from a lot of folks people you know like well you don't People don't want that level of commitment. They're not looking for more. They're already busy. I just don't think that's true. I think people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I, have you seen the influx of Spartan races? No, tell me about well, it. Well, I mean, like these obstacle course races. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, right. Everywhere you go now, somebody's like, run 10 miles that's with right. your shoes on fire. That's right. In the mud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. it's freezing, and they're going to spray you with Clorox bleach. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, um, do you feel like the yeah. do you feel like culture is shifting back to yeah. that? People want to be challenged. People want to be a part of a serious community. I think the rise of the CrossFit movement is a is a big oh, yeah. Same, example too. Similar thing. Because that is it's very communal, right? People get to know each other. They're doing it in community. They they want to be known. They want to be challenged and asked to do hard things. I've done CrossFit once. I couldn't walk for you. <laughs> For two yeah. days afterwards. I'm not speaking from experience here, just for the record. <laughs> uh, just from what I perceive it. But yeah, I think this is, this is, there's a yearning inside of every human heart. And I think it's from God to be a part of something bigger than just satisfying your latest desires, whatever that is. And our culture just wants, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that's been fed for the last 50 years is just, um, and the church followed suit in this, just like do what makes you happy. And just find the stuff that makes you feel comfortable. And uh, and we catered the church to that. Like, if you come to this church, we'll have the stuff that you like. Right. And we'll have some cool stuff, you know, programs for your kids. I mean, there's a reason we have Bill's Donut Holes here. Yeah, well. Every Sunday morning. Yeah, that's more my speed than CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think what people, people are, they're being entertained to death. Yeah. And, like, they don't, the church, like. Honestly, if they want great entertainment, there's a million places they can yeah, get it that's better church, than the church. Right? And so what people are yearning for, and sometimes they just don't have language to communicate it, is they want to be a part of something deeply meaningful, something that has world-shaping implications, and something that can radically change 
the depth of their own family. And Jesus offers all of those things. I, I think we've actually, we've done a disservice and we've, we've really undersold who Jesus is in the kind of, the kind of picture that we've painted for people in the, in the typical church in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I the, the great theologian Ben Parker, Peter's uncle, yeah, he, he he would say with with more power comes more responsibility, right? Yeah, and that's and right. so, what is what is more responsibility look like when you've been awakened, rooted, and mobilized? I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. um, when you go in and you work with a church and you interact with um, church members, mm-hmm. Jane and John Doe, mm-hmm. uh, three years later, mm-hmm. how is their faith and their application of their faith different? Because of the equipping, the the evangelism, the the discipleship, and the expectation. Yeah, well, uh, you know, one of the big things that we emphasize is how people uh, can can have a spiritual influence on other people. Hmm. And I mean, this is just crazy. Like, if you really wrap your mind around this, it's kind of mind boggling that the God who created the whole universe, who spoke the trees into existence. Uh, you know, put the stars in the sky, that that God actually invites us to be an integral part in his plan to redeem the whole world. Like, Mm. to rescue all of mankind, like he wants to use you as a part of that plan. Like, that's nuts when you really think about it. Oh, sure. Uh, You know, but how cool is that? I mean, like, that means that you can actually, you can choose to live for things that are bigger than your nine to five job. That even in the midst of doing that job, if you're looking with the right lens, you can live for stuff that has eternal implications that can literally ripple throughout eternity. And so when we go in and and we're doing that uh, sort of evangelism outreach stuff, you know, we're trying to help people see themselves as missionaries. And people think of missionaries you know, as someone who moves overseas somewhere and lives in a hut or something. Yeah, like that. I was thinking like long hair, yeah. khaki cargo shorts, yeah. Birkenstocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and some sort of po- pocketed shirt. You know, cargo shorts are actually very useful. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, no, you're right. There's plenty of storage in them. <laughs> you're such a dad. <laughs> I got rid of them. I did get rid of them a couple of years ago. I still have a couple of pairs for when I'm doing. Uh, you can't work around the house. Yeah, yeah you yeah. guys can't see the air quotes, but work around the house. <laughs> when I feel like on a Saturday morning, I get up and there's like this massive honeydew list, which doesn't happen that often. But like yeah. when it does, I'm like, it's cargo shorts it's time. Cargo shorts. Mount yeah. up. <laughs> That's right. Although you know what? If you just hold on to them, they'll probably be in pretty soon again. Like in a couple of years, I don't know. I've just been. I was with all of my nieces and nephews last night, and like, like scrunchies are a thing again. Oh man! I fellowship of Christian athletes. I do at the high school, and so they have educated me on Visco girls. Yeah, I didn't know and, about this, and I was just uh, learning it. That hole is deep. <laughs> that hole cow. is deep. Yeah, and like fifty scrunchies. You don't have that much hair. I don't care who you are. You don't. <laughs> you don't need fifty scrunchies. And then if my son comes home with a scrunchie, then that's a whole different. Whoa! That's oh so, yeah, there you go. That's. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, <laughs> evangelism, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Jane and John Doe, when right. they interact, they're going to learn how to do evangelism, which is a, such a scary word, yeah, right? right? So, what does mm-hmm. in the through the lens of spirit and truth, what does evangelism look like mm-hmm. in in Centerville, Ohio? Yeah. Well, okay. So, it what we do some crazy stuff to help get people out of their comfort zone. But then the way that they live that out um, doesn't necessarily look like exactly like what we do when we're there. So it teaches them some principles and some, um, it stretches them in a new way so that they're more comfortable to live it out in their own workplace or okay. in their grocery so, so, store. So tell me about what you guys yeah. do to stretch Okay, people. so one of the things that we do, and this is where some of the people that you listening are thinking, I would never do this. Yep, but. Right. <laughs> Don't turn it off. I promise it's got a good ending. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, so one of the things we do is we we actually get people and we we do some training and then we put them into groups. And now we send them with someone who's done this before. So like you don't even have to literally, the first time you go, you don't even have to say a word if you don't want to. Okay, you can just kind of go and watch. But we actually just send teams out into the community to meet people that don't go to your church or probably a lot of times don't go to any church. And we just offer to pray for people. 
And it, you would be amazed at the crazy spiritual conversations that you get to have by just offering to pray for somebody. Like, um, and now we're not like, we don't get all nuts. We're not like knocking on every door or anything, but we like, we, we get in the car, four people get in the car, we pray, Lord, where would you have us go today? Like, we believe there are people who need your touch, who need to know about the good news of, of your son, Jesus. Would you just show us where to go? And we believe that God can speak to us. And so we teach people, like, to listen for that. And then we go somewhere. And sometimes it's a park. Sometimes it's a Walmart. Uh, sometimes it's a restaurant. I mean, who knows? Could be some, one of the people on the team, their workplace, and they go and offer to pray for some coworkers or whatever. I mean, it's really, there's no, there's no script. So they go and this, and we literally just ask him, how can we pray for you? And, uh, you would think like people are, people assume that to strike up a spiritual conversation with someone or to ask to pray for someone that you're going to get like rejected like 90% of the time. When in fact, it's actually the exact opposite of that. Wow. Like 95% of the time people are like, yeah, I could really use prayer, actually. And a lot of people say, well, nobody's ever asked me that before, you know, hmm. which is kind of crazy, but... And a little sad. sad. Yeah, it is yeah. sad. Yeah. And so, um, and then we don't just say, okay, great, well, we'll pray for you. Like, we just pray for them on the spot. Nothing crazy, nothing like, we don't get all weird on them, but we just say, like, we just love to pray for you right now. What would be an example of weird? Well, like, uh, you know, if you started, like, dumping oil on their head yeah, or, right, like, right. you know what I mean? Or, like, uh, praying for 10 minutes. Like, we literally teach people just, like, like 20 seconds. Just pray for whatever they ask. Like, God doesn't need your fancy words. He doesn't answer based on word count, you know? Like, just pray for right. what they ask. Like, just be a blessing to them. We also teach people, like, they're, we're, we're not pushy. Like, we're looking for where, God, do you have... Where do you want us and where is there an open door? We're not going to try to knock any doors down. So if someone's like, no, I'm good, like, you know, I'd rather not. We're like, hey, no problem, you know, have a great day. That's it. There's like, there's literally no bad that comes from it. I mean, in fact, I remember one one girl uh, that we were in Tulsa doing this with the church, and uh, there was a girl sitting in her car uh, eating pizza, actually. And I felt really prompted, like I was supposed to walk over and offer to pray for this girl. And uh, she was like, immediately, uh, no, I'm an atheist. Now, this is not, this is like the 1% of the time. That never happens almost. Uh, she's like, I'm an atheist. I don't want prayer. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. No no big deal. I like, just, I just felt like I was supposed to offer. And as soon as I said, like, no big deal and didn't press it, all of a sudden her, her guard went down and we ended up having a great conversation. And she was totally like, I think her perception of what Christians were like was even changed a little bit that day hmm. because I didn't like just like, well, then I don't want to talk to you, sinner. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that. Like we had a, just a good, sh I mean, it wasn't a long conversation. She was on a, on a break from work, so I didn't want to bother her. But like we had a good conversation in the parking lot and I didn't pester her. And I think God had me stop and offer to pray with her that day just so that she could see what it was like to have a Christian not try to beat her up. Going back to what you said, you're just laying some groundwork. Yeah. You don't even know how that that fruit's going to come right. to fruition, right? We're just like, trying to demonstrate love to her. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And so we do that, but then sometimes, see, the other side of it is sometimes people end up sharing their whole life story with you. I mean, here's another example from Tulsa. Across the same parking lot, there's a little restaurant. The very first time we went there to work with a church, there was a, a girl named Holly who was a waitress. She wasn't even on duty. She was just getting off duty, but she saw we weren't getting waited on. She came over to the table. We said, hey, we're getting ready to, We were after we ordered, we're getting ready to pray for our food. How can we pray for you? That's it. I mean, it's not like complicated stuff. I said back to the basics. So like, we are really simple. So, and she, you know, she almost immediately started crying. She said, yeah, I really could use prayer. She said, you could pray for, for my husband. And we're like, what's going on? Or what, you know, you want to share more? And her husband had been in jail for three years. And he was going up for parole. And they had a three-year-old that he had never really been with. And, I mean, just crazy stuff. This is how cool it is, though, okay? She literally, at one point, she was kneeling on the ground. <laughs> like, we didn't tell her to do this. She grabs her hands, kneeling on the ground next to the table, 
sobbing, praying with, with us for her family. God opened a door that day from one simple question. She, the pastor um, who was with us at lunch that day, uh, followed up with her, got her connected with another young lady from the church. They've had multiple like steps with her. Um, they get to share the gospel with her. She She's like connected to the church now. The last time we were there, we've been back several times, she actually went on the outreach with us to, to do this and to pray for other people Come on. because she was so touched by all this. That's so awesome. Then I got a text from the pastor recently. Her mother-in-law has been in the hospital with some really serious stuff. That Because of that whole thing, the pastor got to go. She asked him to come to visit the mother-in-law. The mother-in-law recommitted her life to Christ at mm. the hospital uh, with with the pastor. And it all just started, all of that stuff started with one question at the restaurant. Hey, we're going to pray. How can I pray for you? That's it. And so we just try to teach people. Like, if you make yourself available, there are people who are desperate and who have so many needs all around you. Literally, every day, they cross your path. But you have to be available, and you have to start to look at your life through a spiritual lens. Hmm. And so when people experience this kind of stuff, like, then they look at life different. When they're sitting at their cubicle at work, when they're walking through the grocery store picking up their milk— they start to look at, at things a little differently. And so when God nudges them to pray for the, the person checking them out at Walmart, and they sense that, be, and they've done it before in a team, and they've had some of that experience, then they realize, you know what? They're probably not going to spit on me. I think I'm supposed to offer to pray for this this lady. And then they do, and then stuff happens. And it's really not complicated. And then uh, in addition to that, we teach them a little bit about how to talk about Jesus, how do you share a little bit about uh, what he's done in your life. We, we do some of that stuff as well. What do you think the number one thing is that somebody can do to be available? Because mm. I, I think we, there's a lot of us that yeah. wrestle with availability issues. Yeah. I mean, this is easier said than done, but I would say just slow down. Like you can't... Do you have a rhythm for that? I I need in my own life to not have my schedule so packed that when God wants to interrupt what I've decided to do for the day, that I can actually pay attention. Hmm. And now, I'm not saying I'm always great at this. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but we get ourselves so busy, and we get ourselves so slammed with stuff. And not, you know, like I said, I have three kids, and we fill up our schedules with all of our kids' activities and all this stuff, that even simple things, like if you run into someone in the, you know parking lot at a grocery store who just obviously is having needs needs something you, you you're like oh, I'd, really, I'd love to to help them but I just I got to be at xyz and I think that yeah I just think the pace of life and the things that we prioritize affects our ability to be available and and I'm just gonna I would challenge people that are listening to this and I'm and I'm saying this this is a challenge for me too but we always act like our schedule is what controls us, but we're the ones who put the stuff on the schedule. Amen. I mean, we act like, oh, well, I, I'm just so slammed. But most of that stuff that makes us feel slammed are things we opted into ourselves. Right. You know, you don't have to sign your kids up for every activity. Woo! You know, we just, I mean, that's one of the ways that we function as a family. Like, we just refuse to cave into the pressure to, like, have our kids in every single sport. Do they play sports? Absolutely. Do they do extracurricular stuff? Yes. Are we going to sign up for every opportunity? No. Because it will, it, it, it just ruins, it ruins the space that we need to function well as a family and just to live as Christian lives, you know. So... I think there's just some practical stuff that you can do to create a little bit more space, breathing room in your schedule to be available. But then even even separate from that, I think it just takes intention. If you wake up every day saying, Lord, whatever I do today, I want to be available for you to use. Like if you prayed that every morning, I believe that's a prayer that God will always answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like at some point in time, if if you're willing to give the space, God wants to fill it. Yeah, yeah. God wants to fill it. And, it. and it's so cool to me, like going back to what I said earlier, to think that the God of the universe could 
could actually have stuff in mind for me to do today that has an implication, not just for my job, not just for the next year, but for all of eternity. Like could actually have that kind of impact on someone's life. Like why would I not want to make myself available for that? Like is there anything that I could do, any possible activity I could do that would be more important than that? I mean, when you say it like that, no. <laughs> no. no. So, I mean, no, I hey, get it. Hey, but listen, tomorrow my third grader's playing in the Super Bowl, so just tell God I cannot be interrupted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so right, though. You're so right. You're so right. We we schedule God right out, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we schedule God right out. And so it's, it sounds like part of the mission of Spirit and Truth is to get churches to put the practices back into the, the mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, and really to help Christians see themselves, like to not, to think of, when they th- when we think of evangelism, a lot of times we, th- at least in our current context, we think of something the church does, like what a, this, the church out there, whatever that is. Yeah, the church, like, air quotes. Like, you know, they're going to program something, and maybe my role, usually the, the only role we give people is you're supposed to invite someone at some point. Yeah, and be a greeter maybe. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you invite someone to Christmas and Easter and our special program that we did this year, then you did your event. You can check your evangelism box. I just don't think that's what Christians are called to. I mean, that's fine. I'm all for that. But I think that we have a bigger calling. If you're following Jesus, I mean... I just think there's more that God has for you. And it's not a burden. I think it's actually a gift because it's in all of this stuff you find incredible meaning for your own life, too. Yeah. You know? When you start to pray over people and with people, how you pray for yourself changes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. typically we're least bold with ourselves. Yeah. Like, I, I will pray healing over my kids. Yeah. I will lay hands on them. But man, I don't necessarily pray healing over myself. I'm like, man, I gotta get to the doctor for that short, you know, that sore shoulder. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, why would I pray for healing over them and not pray for healing over me too? I, right. I mean, I'm a I'm a child of God, right? You know, it's so it's so good, so good. Um, so how, how does this work if there are churches out there that want to get connected with Spirit and Truth and and, and you know, we covered like one percent, not even one yeah. percent. Like we didn't get into va- discipleship. Or expectation, and I think that that's even when we think about the longer impact of spirit and truth. That's right. really like that's really where the the good stuff is. Yeah. Um, if there's a church out there that wants to connect, or if there's somebody who wants to connect with spirit and truth because they want more. Yeah. Well, I, a couple things. I mean, you, we're on all the social media platforms. They can find us on there. Our website is spiritandtruth.life, L-I-F-E, spiritandtruth.life. And uh, that has got a lot of info about the church equipping process. That's what we call um, some of what I was just describing. Uh, and as well as, you know, we try to help provide some free resources. We do some online training. Um, there's a variety of things that they can check out through there. We have a thing called the Spirit and Truth Institute that provides some free online learning and things like that. So check out the website because that's got a lot of info. Uh, but another great uh, opportunity, if you're interested in this kind of vision of Christianity, of a, a back to the basics but a little bit radical, like I just what does it look like to follow Jesus in every area of my life? Mm. Um, I would encourage them to come. We have a, a once a year conference. We just started it last year. And it's really to just kind of help to lift up this kind of a vision. What does it look like to pursue more? Yeah. To live as though God is who we say he is. I went last year. It was amazing. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. It was amazing to see the leaders and the pastors there and to hear the speakers. Um, it was it was a really good conference. Where can they go to sign up for this conference if they want to uh, to join me and you uh, at the conference. Yeah, I'm so excited, Tony, that you're gonna you're gonna be teaching a workshop for us. Yeah. At, at the conference this year, all about the second part of what we were um, that that vision about disciple making. It's my favorite. You know, and I I love your heart for that. I love what you're doing mm-hmm. here at Restoration, and oh, just like, um, man, that's such your heartbeat to create a disciple making DNA to have that woven into everything you do. And so we're excited to have you. 
uh, speaking and and we've got a lot of folks already who have signed up for your workshop actually so oh, geez, that's scary it's awesome <laughs> yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool uh yeah so go to the website spiritandtruth.life slash conference okay and we'll and, link to it in the show notes so that people can get connected to that and uh, I think right now uh, there's an early bird rate right now from now until through January. So you you have the next couple of months if you get signed up before we get to that last stretch, you can get it uh, signed up for eighty four dollars. So which is actually I know it sounds like a lot of money, but it's actually like half the cost of most conferences like this. It's a three day event, and yeah. uh, I mean for the amount of content, it's super super cheap. And we try to honestly, we don't try to make any money off of it we just try to um to make it as cheap and as reasonable as we can so because we want as many people as we can to come and um and just experience what it's like to be around other people who are also pursuing this this kind of life of saying i want i want to just i want more of god in my life you know how many years were you in pastoral ministry well that's a good question maybe uh, almost 13 13 yeah. and then you've been doing this for the last two yeah, so about 15 years. So one of the questions I love to ask people at the uh, time, at the end of our, our time together is, is um, if you could go back, let's say for you 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and give yourself one piece of advice mm-hmm. as, as early in your call, early in your walk, earlier in your walk, uh, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself? Mm. I guess I would say... Um, Don't waste your time trying to manufacture what only God can do. Whew. Say that one more time for the people in the back. Yeah. Don't don't waste your time trying to manufacture what only God can do. Wow. And I'm a I'm a kind of get it done kind of guy. Like I like problem solving. I like to just like if there's a problem, I just want to attack it and fix it. Yeah. You know, my undergrad's actually in mechanical engineering. So I'm like a I don't that's another long story, but I like to like see if problem fix it but the reality is like real transformation just doesn't always work like that Mm. in our own lives or in the lives of other people and um you know what i would uh, let me i'd make it even more practical just pray more Hmm. just spend more time more time praying and less time scheming yeah whoo Nah, that'll preach. Uh, okay, so if people want to follow up with you specifically, if they're like, man, whatever this guy's doing, I want to be a part of, <laughs> how can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, yeah, you, you, they can follow me on Twitter at, at MattReynolds7. Uh, they could follow me on Instagram, although I kind of stink at Instagram. I don't really, I need you to teach me how to do it because you're like the master of it. Uh, I don't know if I'm the master, but I, I love the gram. Yeah. You're, you're really good at it. So it's like an afterthought for me, but, uh, so follow me on Twitter. Uh, you could look me up on Facebook, just search for Matt Reynolds. If, uh, you could put spirit and truth in there, maybe it would pull it up. Um, or send me an email. You can, on the website I mentioned, find my email address, send me an email. I'd love to, to connect with any, anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff, whether it's just you personally or for your church. Um, we're seeing God do some just cool stuff all over the country. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this kind of new movement. It's not just spirit and truth, but in so many different pockets, you see God just stirring up this kind of vision of really full-time radical christianity uh not in a scary weird way but like there's just so much good stuff that god has for us Mm. and uh yeah so if somebody wants to connect look me up on the website and i'd love to connect with you matt thank you so much for your time today and for what god's doing in you and through you and for for being courageous and following that calling and thank you to your wife for being in prayer and listening. It's so good. Appreciate you and what you're doing for the church. Hey, thanks, Tony. Uh, I appreciate you too so much. My heart just connects with what you all are about. And so it's, it's been great to be with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I told you it was a great conversation. I love that guy. His, uh, his heart for the gospel and for disciple making is so profound and the way he articulates his call and the big, bold, courageous things that he's done with his faith 
it excites me. It moves me closer to Jesus. And I'm, I'm thankful for him. And I'm thankful for all of you for listening wherever you are, treadmill, elliptical, mowing the grass or shoveling the snow, whatever. Thankful for you. So uh, say, sign up for the Spirit and Truth Conference. Let's connect there. I'd love to hook up with you guys and see you uh, at the conference. I'm excited to give a talk there on disciple making and culture. And uh, yeah, thank you. If you got something out of this episode, do me a huge favor, share it. Maybe share it with somebody specifically who would benefit from hearing Matt's story, somebody who's waning on their call and needs to make that leap of faith. So until then, I'll see you guys real soon.